0: Good morning. Good morning, and happy new year. You made it. You, you made it. We can finally kiss 2021. Goodbye. Praise the Lord. Uh, but I uh, can't wait to see what 2022 has in store for us. Hey, if, if you're new here, and we're so pumped that you chose to worship here, um, we actually have a gift that we want to give you today. Um, it's at Next Steps. If you'll take the card uh, from the seat in front of you, uh, fill it out, and just drop it by Next Steps. They'll give you a free t-shirt um, and then they'll give you some information about our about our church, um, just so that you can know kind of what we're about and, and why we do the strange things that we do here as a church. But um, today, I want to kick off this new year by sharing one of my favorite stories from the whole Bible. Um, before I do, though, hey, man, those, just so y'all know, Patrick doesn't know this, but the four songs we're singing today, we already sang three, we got one more coming, are like top ten songs like... I love them, and I'm so thankful uh, that we get to start our year, selfishly, with four of my favorite songs. <laughs> All right, um, but here we go. If you're new, uh, so today we want to kick off this, this uh, new year by sharing one of my favorite stories from the whole Bible. It's a story that stretched out over 13 chapters, um, so uh, Kenny's going to get lunch for you now so we can make sure that you're plenty fed. Um, If you're in the first service, you know that's not much of a joke. So uh, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to do my best to fill in the details because it's important that you get the whole story of this guy named Joseph is the story we're going to look at. And uh, so we're going to see today how this story applies to what we've been through in 2021 and really even 2020 and uh, and how this uh, story applies to us. So I'm going to read the beginning of the story, which is the first four verses. I'm going to pray and we're going to talk about it. Uh, Genesis 37, beginning in verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. We'll talk about that in just a second. These are the family records of Jacob. Seventeen years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a long-sleeved robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, um, uh, God, we have your word. Uh, God, in in a world that is quickly changing and shifting all the time, God, we have your word, which never does. And Father God, I pray today as we we look at what your word has to say for our lives, God, I pray that that you would uh, just speak to us. And uh, God, help us to understand your word more clearly. God, as we always say, teach us to know you and be with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to make sure you understand where we are in the biblical storyline, because here at East, we believe that's important. Uh, So uh, so let's go back to the very beginning. God creates mankind. What you need to know, if you've been around for a while, you may know this, um, but the, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for mankind is the word Adam. It's where we get Adam and Eve, right? And so God creates Adam and Eve the first mankind, and he created them and invited them into a relationship with him, that they would be with him, they would follow him, and that they would rule over creation with him. Now, you don't have to read far into the story to know that they blew it. It didn't go well. And so um, they ruined everything. Their relationship was broken. Now, God does the same thing again in chapter 6. He invites a new Adam, a new uh, figurehead for all of mankind named Noah. He invites Noah into a relationship with him, to be with him, to follow him, and to rule over creation with him, and to restart all of creation through this guy's family. And if you know their family, if you read through the story, they're not perfect either. They really are sketchy too. So the relationship is broken. Genesis 12, God re-invites mankind back into a relationship with him. <laughs> it should start seeing this as you're reading the bible god invites a man named abram into this relationship with him to be with him to follow him and to rule over creation with him and the difference with abram is what we see we get introduced to a word when we start hearing about abram and that is that he believed god it's the idea of faith and this seems to be what sets God's, uh, this, this new Adam apart, is that he has faith in God. And God continues this invitation. Uh, Abram's name is changed to Abraham, which if you're familiar with the Bible, is probably a little bit more uh, familiar to you. But God continues the same invitation. Uh, Abraham has a son named Isaac. And God comes to Isaac and says, be with me, follow me, rule over all creation. And then he comes to Isaac's son, Jacob, which is who we read about at the beginning of our verses. And God calls him and his family to be with, be with him, follow him, and rule over creation with him. And what you know, again, about this family is they're no different than the two family lines before them. They're far from righteous people for sure. But God continues the invitation and continues the relationship because of the faith that Abraham showed. So Jacob has a bunch of sons because he has four wives. Now, uh, how, you good are, how, how good you are at math, but that's three too many. OK, because Jacob has four wives and I'm not talking about like this is concurrent four wives, same time living in the same house. This is sketch city. OK, this is weird stuff. This is not stuff that honors God. And so not only was that sketchy, Jacob also had a favorite wife. So I guess if you are going to have four. You might as well have a favorite. <laughs> and so his favorite wife was named Rachel. And not only that, he also had a favorite son named Joseph. And it's Joseph that I want to focus on. So Joseph is invited as a member of Abraham's family to the same thing that his great-grandfather was, to be with God, to follow him and rule over creation with God. But what we find out about David's or Joseph's story is that he faces some difficulties. <laughs> if you know the story of Joseph, that's the biggest understatement ever. But I'm going to walk through some of those with you. And we're not going to be able to look at these in the text because we'd have to read large blocks. I'm just going to try to put it in my own words. And just trust me, you can go to the text later and make sure that I got the details right. But if you're a note taker, this is the first thing we're going to see is that bad stuff happens sometimes. It's the most theological way I could put that. Bad stuff happens sometimes. And so I'm going to share with you four things that happened to Joseph. The first thing, Joseph's brothers hated him. Joseph's brothers hated him. We've already seen that in in the text, but but later I want to I will read this to you because Joseph Joseph's father sends him to go check on his brothers, and this is what we see. Of course, they're working in the field, and Joseph's hanging out, watching, playing Xbox or something. But in Genesis thirty-seven verse eighteen, the brothers see him, Joseph, in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. Now here's the deal. Me and my sister did not get along when we were growing up. Like I will be honest with you. I was a mean little brother. But I never plotted to kill her. Like that's a ramp up, don't you think? Plotted to ruin her life, like make her friends weirded out. I used to stick stuff under the door like when she had friends over. I don't even know why. Like what was that accomplishing? But never before did I plot to kill her. And that's what we see. in, skip down to verse twenty. They said, "Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits around here. We can tell Dad that a vicious animal ate him." Y'all, this is a weird situation. And one of the dozen brothers he had actually talks them out of killing him. He said, "Let's throw him in the pit alive, and let's wait. Let's think about it." His intent was actually to rescue him, but what we see the bad part of Joseph's life, number two, Joseph's brothers sell him. They sell him. So as he's in the pit, here's what's interesting. And I've, never, I've read this verse, these verses over and over again, y'all. They throw Joseph in the pit to figure out what they're going to do, and then they eat together. There's something about that that we just threw our brother in. We wanted to kill him, but we decided just to throw him in a pit. Hey, are y'all hungry? Like, let's share a meal together. And that's in the text. I'm not making this stuff up. But then as they're eating some Ishmaelites, which is a long story there, but that goes all the way back to Abraham's son, Ishmael. But, but they're coming up, and they're traders. And they're on their way to Egypt, which is the money capital of the world. Like that's the stuff. So you, you want to go trade in Egypt because that's where all the money is. And so they're bringing all these goods to go trade in Egypt. And the brothers are like, whoa, whoa, y'all are traders. Hey, 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 I got something you can trade in Egypt, and you'll get a lot of money for And they said, what is it? And they said, our brother. And so they sell their brother to these traders that are on their way to Egypt. Again, never cross my mind. Might have been a good idea to try with my sister. But never, never cross my mind. We're talking about some rough stuff happening to Joseph. The next thing that happens is the traders get to Egypt and they sell Joseph to the highest bidder, which happens to be one of Pharaoh's officers named Potiphar. And the Bible says he became a slave to Potiphar. Became a slave. And and Joseph's pretty good at what he does, so Potiphar begins to trust him. In fact, uh, the Bible says that he trusted him with everything except what he ate. He says, I'll decide my meals, but you run everything else. And then, apparently Joseph was also pretty good looking, at least to Potiphar's wife. She thought he was fine. And so Potiphar's wife actually comes to Joseph and makes a proposition to him to which Joseph rejects. She grabs his cloak to try to remind her who's in charge in the situation, and he bells on the cloak. He bails on his outer garment. If you've ever just, like, he just, just, she pulls it and he just slides right out, leaving nothing but his undergarments, just being straight with you, and he runs out of the house to flee from this situation. Potiphar's wife, of course, is embarrassed and she's she's, she's overwhelmed, overwhelmed with guilt. To save face, she goes to her husband and says, look, look, look at this right here laying on the bed. Joseph undressed himself in front of me. You need to deal with him. Potiphar goes, he's gone. And not only does he fire him, he has him arrested. Like mile marker number four in Joseph's life. His brothers hate him. They sell him. He winds up a slave in Egypt. And now... He's arrested and thrown into prison with the prisoners who probably tried to kill Pharaoh. So we're not talking about like a good part of the jail, you know? Like we're talking about where the, where, the, where the king's prisoners were. And that's a lot of stuff. So I'll remind you of what we wrote down on number one. Bad stuff happens sometimes. And I'll just tell you, when I look back at 2021, I got memories I don't want to remember. Remember? I got news stories that ran across my TV and my phone that I tried to swipe through as quick as I could. Because I hate some of the stuff that happened last year and the year before. We've been through some weird times. And I think we see, just like in the life of Joseph, these bad things that happen in our lives oftentimes come from three areas. The first, some of the stuff that happens to Joseph and I think some of the stuff that happens to us today is a consequence of our upbringing. (laughs) Like, you talk about a weird home life. Okay? Daddy has four wives living in the house with him. Um, He has a favorite one and he also has a favorite kid. Like, that's not a healthy home life. We would call that in 2022 now a toxic environment. Like to say the least, It's hey, hey, listen, some of y'all can resonate with that, right? Some of y'all, some of y'all grew up in, uh, I, man, blessed by God, God's grace. Nothing my parents did; they weren't awesome. Like they were awesome because of God's grace. That I was raised in the home I was. It wasn't toxic, but some of you didn't. You, you had a tough environment that you were raised in. And Joseph is experiencing. Some of that, okay, he's got a daddy who is literally, whether intentionally or unintentionally, pitted his sons against one another. He has, there's scars from actions that are, have been done to him and in front of him. Some of you can resonate with that. And Sometimes the bad stuff that's happening in our life are consequences of things that were totally out of our control because of our upbringing. Joseph can resonate with that. And also sometimes the bad stuff that's happening is because of our own sin. Can we just own that? Can we just say that sometimes we made the bad, and doggone we gotta lay in it? Sometimes we do we make decisions in our life and we do stuff in our life that are just that have led to the bad thing. And I'm like y'all, dude, I don't want to point at anybody else. I don't want to say it was Ryan's fault, not mine. I had nothing to do. But when I honestly sit down in most in the situations that come, I got I got some sort of level. Ryan is eighty percent his fault, but twenty percent it was mine. Right, and I got to own that. I got to recognize that the consequences sometimes are my own making. Joseph knew that pain. Yes, Jacob, his daddy had set the boys up to to fight, like he just did. But Joseph didn't make it better. So daddy gives him a fancy coat. And if I know my brothers hate me, and the coat is a symbol of why they hate me, that sucker stays in the closet, don't it? Nuh-uh. He puts that guy on like a brand new shacket he got for Christmas. Some of y'all get some shackets for Christmas? Kelly got a shacket for Christmas. You don't know what that is. I didn't either, but anyway, whatever. Am I saying that right? Okay. All right. I got weird looks. But, um, and then you get off your notes and you gotta come back. But Joseph, he wears this coat, this coat that is a that is a symbol of of why his brothers hate him. And and then he, even worse, he says, I, I know you guys hate me because my daddy treats me better than all of you. But guess what? I had a dream the other day. And he tells him about this dream. We didn't talk about this in the text. But he has this dream that all of his brothers and his mother and father bow down to him. And again, if I know my brothers hate me, like, take that to the grave. Write it in your diary. Stick it under your bed. Like, don't share that. But Joseph does because he's a doofus. And if you're not comfortable with that term, it's a term we use of endearment in our house. You're being a doofus. And that's what we see with Joseph. And what we want to say to Joseph is shut up. Like show some ounce of humility, Joseph. And this situation could be a little bit better, but he doesn't. So some of these consequences Joseph's facing are partly his fault. But a large majority of them are consequences of the sins of other people. And this can be the hardest at times other people in our lives acting in such a way that our lives become harder. Whether it's somebody at your workplace, somebody in your family, a neighbor, it drives you nuts. Like whatever it is, like there are people around us and we can't just live in this bubble and like keep their sin outside. Oftentimes, the sin of other people affects us. And when you look at 2021... And you turn on the news. That's all I saw was that I feel like I'm trying to raise my family. Right. I feel like I'm trying to do the right thing. And the rest of y'all are crazy. Like, what is going on in the world? And then we have to deal with the consequences of that. And like, I can get mad about it, but it's the reality of life. And we have Joseph here who's going, yeah, yeah, cry me a river. Right like his brother's jealousy lead to him being a slave. The lust and deceitfulness of Potiphar's wife lead to him being arrested. He suffered pain big time because those around him were dumb and mean. And some of y'all can resonate with that when you look back at 2021. Because someone was dumb and mean in your life. And you suffered the consequences for it. And that's hard. It was for Joseph, but what we see in the story of Joseph is not all the bad. When you study the story of Joseph, our hearts are not to be drawn to be fired up and go, Ah man, that's we' dealing with the same stuff Joseph. Our heart is not to be risen to this place of anger and frustration in our world, just like Joseph was experiencing. When you read the text, what you will remember is what the biblical authors put before us, which is this one. God is working even in the bad. Genesis 39, as Joseph is there as a slave of his Egyptian master, Psalm 39 verse 2 says this, The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph goes on from there. No longer is he a slave. Now he's thrown into prison. Rotting away. Genesis 39 verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Church, you need to know. When you look back at what's happened in your life or in a short term in 2021 that just stunk. What I need you to hear is that God never left you. He never left you. Just as he was with Joseph, God was present in the difficulty. But there's more to Joseph's story. this is where we're going to get in the weeds of the details. But the weeds are there in the story, so they must be there for a reason. So hang with me. It's more to Joseph's story. While he was in prison, he was with two guys, a baker and a cupbearer, which I know sounds like a nursery rhyme. The baker, the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Not that. The baker and the cupbearer. And they worked for Pharaoh. And so something happened. Somebody must have tried to poison Pharaoh or something, and he couldn't figure out whether it was his drink or the birthday cake. <laughs> so he threw them both in prison until he figured it out. And so Joseph is actually in prison with these two guys. And both of them have dreams. And God, and I don't go into the details of it, but God allows Joseph to interpret those dreams for them. They're telling him about these dreams in prison. And Joseph said, hey, I know what that means. And he tells the baker, he said, you know what your dream means? They're gonna They're going to kill you. Pharaoh's going to have you killed. It's a tough interpretation. And the cupbearer's like, can I go next? (laughs) And and he tells the cupbearer, "Um, you're going to be restored. You're going to be acquitted. You're going to be back serving Pharaoh. Well, I don't remember in the text that it tells us, but a short period after that, it's exactly what happens. They come and get the baker, and they kill him. they come get the cupbearer and carry him back to Pharaoh's court. When the cupbearer's there serving Pharaoh's court, he's probably on thin ice, right? He's just got out of prison, so he's trying to be careful, trying to suck up a little bit to Pharaoh. And he hears that Pharaoh's had some creepy dreams, and nobody can tell him what they mean. And the cupbearer's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. He raises his hand. "Uh, Pharaoh, I got a friend, and he can tell you what your dream means. The only problem is he's in prison, but you can get him out, you know? And Pharaoh does. He brings Joseph out. And Joseph, fresh out of prison, interprets the dream for Pharaoh. Tells him exactly what it means. And the dream was this. He dreamed of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And Joseph tells him, look, the seven fat cows represent seven years where you're going to experience fruitfulness in this land. And it's going to be Awesome fertile soil, baby but then following that will be seven years of difficult days famine and i don't and joseph doesn't stop there um he actually provides steps he says hey and if i were you just some advice i would take advantage of those seven years and store up some stuff so that when the seven bad years come everybody can eat just a thought and pharaoh says dude First off, it's awesome to see God at work in you. That's incredible. Second off, you're hired. And he puts Joseph in charge of the food. He puts him in charge of it. And the Bible actually says, this is Genesis 41, uh, verses 40 through 41. You'll be over my house and all my people will obey your commands. Only I as king will be greater than you. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. It goes on to say that you'll be riding in the second chariot behind me. Like when we go on a parade, I'm first. Don't forget that. But you're second. And he says, no one will raise a hand or a foot without you approving it. Now, let me ask you the question. When Joseph looks back on the arguably decades... Of difficult stuff that happened to him. What does he see? Does he see the jealousy of his brothers? Does he see the lust and deceitfulness. Of the Potiphar's wife? Or does he see God at work. In the midst of difficulties. Is Joseph's focus. On the negative or on the positive. Well. Let's keep reading. Shall we? we see happen next the famine was not only bad in egypt the famine actually was larger than what joseph expected spread all the way to the land of canaan sound familiar who's living in canaan joseph's family they're in canaan the famine hits and guess what they get hungry and when they get hungry they do like you and i do they go searching for food And they wind up in Egypt. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt. And who do they find in charge of the food? Oh, little bro. Little bro that we threw in a pit and sold to a slave trader. This is his juicy moment. Church, this is the moment that we've all dreamed of. That boss that was always a jerk to you. That family member who puts you through awful stuff. This is the moment where Joseph can go, get out, starve to death. This is the juicy revenge moment. And this is how I know that Joseph was not driven to remember the negative actions. Was that it's, now If you know the story, he struggles a little bit. <laughs> it takes him a few days. But he sh- reveals himself to his brothers and say, it's me, Joseph. And I want y'all to come live here. Not only am I giving you food for today, I want you to come here. This is a man who no doubt has, a, has ignore, is ignoring, is choosing to ignore the negative actions that were done against him to only focus on the fact that God was in the midst of it. And because of these two things, first off, God was working for Joseph's good. Not first off, second off or whatever. God was working for Joseph's good. We see him go from daddy's favorite to a slave to a prisoner to Pharaoh's favorite. I love my daddy, but Pharaoh's favorite pays better. God was working for Joseph's good. You need to recognize that. Not only is God with you in the midst of your difficulties, God is working for your good. Romans chapter 8 tells us that, that if we are in Christ, He is working for our good and His glory. God is working for your good, even when we don't understand it. but. It's so much more than that. I know I've said that like a hundred times, but if we just hear the story of Joseph and we only see that God is with him in the midst of his problems and that he's blessing Joseph, we're short-sighted. Because this is so much more than that. God was not just working for Joseph's good here. He was working towards his bigger plan of redemption that only God could see. Note takers, point C. God was working for his own good plan. Listen. You can see it here in chapter fifty, where where uh, Joseph says, "What you meant for evil, God meant for good." But I want to show it to you in a more crazy way in Psalm one hundred five. So, if you don't understand, the Psalms came. Most of the Psalms came much later uh, in the in the storyline of Scripture. Okay. So, the first five books became the Bible to our Old Testament people. Um, and so they had these scrolls that were so important. to them. So the book of Genesis would have been a scroll that they, that they held and, and the, 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 that they would have studied and they would have meditated on. And so then the psalmists, these, these, uh, these great folks who were writing this poetry, they start meditating on the book of Genesis. And they begin, God begins to reveal stuff through their meditation to them, and, and then they begin to write in a poetic way about it. Psalm 105 and 106 retell the story of God's people in a much quicker and poetic way. If you're not familiar with the storyline of the Old Testament, then like start with Psalm 105 and 6. That's a crash course, and it'll whet your appetite, and then you'll go back to Genesis and want to read the whole thing. So I want to jump into this poem, and, 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 uh, and if you're familiar with the story uh, of, of God's people, you'll begin to see where we are in the story here. Psalm 105, beginning in verse 12. When they were few in number... Speaking of Abraham's family, very few indeed, resident aliens in Canaan. The psalmist is zooming in for us on a a portion of history. Wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, God allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their behalf, saying, do not touch my anointed ones or harm my prophets we see is that God is protecting Abraham's family as the beginnings of this new larger family that will be with him, follow him, and rule over creation with him. But look at verse 16. Then he called down famine against the land and destroyed the entire food supply. So, where are we at in the story now? Please tell me you know Joseph's part, right? We just talked about the food supply, the famine, you with me? Here we are, verse 16. The famine is here. It's destroying the entire food supply. And then look at verse 17. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Hold up. Let me ask you, not just a reading comprehension question. Why was Joseph in Egypt? Because he had jerk brothers. And then the whole story, right? That's how he wound up second in command in Egypt. But what does Psalm 105 just say? God sent him ahead. As we look at Joseph, how did he wind up in this position? We could blame the brothers. We could blame the Ishmaelites. We could blame Potiphar who bought him. uh, Pharaoh who probably footed the bill. Potiphar's wife, who was Sketchbox City. It seems to be because of the sins of many other people. But here the psalmist says, God sent Joseph ahead of the family. And y'all, that's nuts. But this is what God's word says, so we've got to wrestle with it, right? Notice what it doesn't, it doesn't say that God caused these humans to sin. The Bible never pins the sin of mankind on God. It seems a better way to view this, that God used the boneheaded decisions of sinful people to bring about something really great. So with this in light, Joseph has endured all that he did so that when the famine came, he could be in place to accept God's people into Egypt, so they can be taken care of. Do you see this? This is the scope at which our God is working. So when you look back at 2021 and something doesn't make sense. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. God may be working something that we don't see. Because what's interesting is one of Joseph's brothers who survives the famine because Joseph was in the position he was was a man named Judah. And Judah had a great, 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 whatever, whatever, grandson that you're very familiar with. We just celebrated his birth. Jesus. When the famine hits the line of Christ, y'all, Jesus' family is on the verge of starvation. But God sent Joseph ahead to make a way. This is the scope at which our God is working. We can't imagine it. We don't always see it. But we've got to trust that God is with us in the difficulties. He's working for our good. And he's working for his own good purpose. We look back at 2021. Let's throw in 2020. None of us would have written that book. If so, you're weird. Like what a strange life. What a strange place we're in. Stuff that's happened in our world—the political unrest, the race issues, the long lockdown because of a novel virus—none of us would have written this book. When we look back at this past year. I know that many of the many of you have have things that were not good. Things that happened that were not good. Family members passed away. You lost your job. You lost friends to disagreements. Your children made decisions that you didn't agree with. There are hundreds of problems. Hundreds of problems that we've all faced. None of us would have written this book. And just like Joseph, when I would first read the story of Joseph before I get to the end, it's easy for me to focus on the, on the, on the negative things. It's easy for me to begin to think, have you ever had something happen in your life where you thought, hey, are you awake? Like, do you do you see what's happening down here? If you've never called out to God like that, then you're probably lying to me. But, like, it feels like God's asleep at the wheel. Like, put yourself in Joseph's situation. Potiphar's wife hits on him and winds up in prison. The first day I'm in prison, as soon as I'm thrown in, I'm going, hey, what in the world was that? I did the right thing. I left the cloak. I ran away in my underwear, God, to get away from that difficult situation. And now I'm here in prison. Like this. It's, But as we read through the rest of the story, we, I've got to remind you, if it's, if it's easy for you to focus on the negative things, you need to remi- be reminded of what Joseph knew by the end was that God had always been at work. While we, this year, may have been calling on God to act and to step into a situation that we deem difficult, he wasn't sitting on the heavenly couch with his feet propped up, just ignoring your request. He was either at work in someone else's life or he was at work through your difficulty. Even though that's hard to understand sometimes. If you look back and all you have are bad things, I want to remind you of some good things. Because we're a family here at East. So here's what God's been doing in 2021. Twenty six adults joined a group at East for the first time and were faithful to continue in it. Twenty six people taking a step from being a, 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 a person that comes to worship and maybe has a few engagements to sitting knee to knee in a circle discussing God's word and making connections, being challenged to grow and get to know people here at East. We believe groups are important. So 26 adults, that's a big deal to me. If you're one of those, we are proud of you. 21 adults began serving regularly on one of our teams for the first time. And that means weekly or monthly. I'm not talking about they showed up one time. They're serving weekly or monthly in this church. This is huge. We believe God has gifted all of us to serve him. And one of the best ways we can do that is through the local church. If you're one of those, guess what? We're proud of you. Seven adults became small group leaders for the first time. And I'm going to tell you, there's no more vulnerable position than to be a small group leader. And I'll call them out. James Peckham leading a Sunday morning group for us. And on Wednesday nights, the Davises, the Haynes, and the Rodens all stepped in to lead groups this year. Many others served at House of Harvest. We fixed bags for teachers at three different elementary schools. We delivered 30 to 40 welcome wagon bags to new homeowners in our area. We served at the largest VBS in our church's history. We cooked and served 115 teachers. Hibachi at Creekside. We did a cleanup. Um, At the Harvest Youth Club, we wrote cards to shut-ins and those in bad health. Many, many helped with Christmas House. A record number of volunteers for any event that we've ever had in eight years as a church. Some of us dressed in goofy costumes just to make kids smile at Big Night. And many other service opportunities, some of which have happened organically without me even knowing. And it's okay to say amen when I say something like that. Two couples I want to highlight who helped at Christmas uh, Christmas House. It was their first time to begin serving, the Wilsons and the Nyes. When I asked in our Facebook group, "How has God used our church to grow you in 2021?", these two families are the ones that spoke up. I want to read their their story to you. This is Amanda Nye. She wrote, "God brought our family a new church to call home, which brought us new friends and family. They served out under the awning at Christmas House." Uh, smiling as our family showed up to receive gifts. It's been great getting to know them. And the Wilsons, Brandon Wilson wrote this, "To be, uh, God taught me to be more open and honest with myself, to let go of things I cannot change. I found a new church home. God taught me to do more for people and just try things. And as I told him this morning, I'm glad you tried something new because that's what brought him here. Because East is very different from what he's used to in church, but he tried something new and he found his home. I love the Wilsons. Angie wrote this. I'm so thankful that we found this amazing church family this year. I can't wait to see what God has in store for us next year. Amen and amen, Angie. Not only are new people connecting, but many who have been here a while are taking deeper steps into leadership. The Normans have been asked to lead our missions efforts this year. The Lions to lead our groups ministry. And one we haven't announced yet is our new men's discipleship coordinator, Matt Tribble. Matt, give everybody a wave. Matt, he's up here. Some of y'all were looking around. Uh, but Matt, Matt's, Matt's going to be stepping into that role since Kyle rolled with Danielle into the groups thing that left the men's discipleship coordinator open. And so Matt's stepping into there alongside Felicia, who's continuing as our women's discipleship coordinator. We asked Cheryl Thomas to step into a new role this year as hospitality team leader. And if you're a volunteer, you love Cheryl because she brings breakfast every Sunday. You show up to church hungry, that's your fault. Start serving, you can eat. But we also have water and, and, uh, and snacks and, and all the stuff that's in the lobby there. Ms. Cheryl and Steve, head that up. We ask Kathy Gifford to, to lead our Info desk team. She manages all things Next Steps, providing help to those uh, who need to sign up for events, turn in prayer cards, or get any of the resources we have available. Josh Richardson in the back took on the media team lead role this year, managing a team of volunteers who run the media booth and live stream for us. And that team he's got, they're not easy to manage. Trey and Gage, it's tough back there. Amen. That was Trey, not Josh. Leanza Kilmer is our greeter team lead, organizing that team. She onboarded a lot of new people this year. We're proud of the work she's done. Jean Brown has stepped in for her since they just had a baby, little baby Drew. Many leaders who were not new. James Peckham did a great job organizing our decision counselors this year. Mark Bell and Rand Beasley tag-teamed our security. Mark, uh, Morgan Richardson led the nursery team. May Beasley served as our next step coordinator and was always so dependable. Danny Tribble is our social media team lead and really ramped up the game this year. If you're on social media, you've seen that. And we want to congratulate Danny for having the largest team growth percentage-wise in 2021. So give it up for Danny. She doubled the size of her team this year. From 1 to 2. But we celebrate that 200% growth. It's awesome. But we've had we've so Dan, and then uh Miss Wanda, we've had so many uh So many meals, uh, meals we've had here at church, meals we've carried to other people. We've had all, we've had six babies born in our church since the summer. Like we've had, and Miss Wanda's the one that organizes all those meals that we carry to those families. Like it's, it's an incredible, we have an awesome team leading all of this. And I want to personally thank the three that put up with me a lot more than y'all do. Patrick, Terry, and Kenny are incredible leaders and I can't imagine what East would look like without them. They make my job so much easier and they're always looking for ways that they can serve you better. I thank God for them. Many have linked arms with us as members of Lindsay Lane East this year and countless more have been through our East 101, which is the first step of the process and they're still just praying through whether they want to join our crazy family. The one thing I'm most excited about are those that walk through baptism with us. Some of them were trusting Christ for the first time. Some had been walking with the Lord for a while but not been baptized. Some were not baptized by immersion or what we call being dunked and wanted to be obedient to what they saw in Scripture. Still others were correcting the order of their baptism, meaning that they were baptized earlier in life but became a true follower of Jesus later. Each of their stories was was unique and awesome. We started the year just as we've done this week except we started the first two weeks last year. Baptized Brody Coker the first week and Kate Castle the second week. Then I baptized my first pregnant woman, Kelsey Ray, and got to baptize her mom, Sonia, later that summer. Then we celebrated with Toby Allen as his dad, DJ, got to baptize his son right here in our waters. And then on June 27th, we had our baptism Sunday. There were so many people ready to be baptized that we had to have a special day just to squeeze it all in. We had Tyler Heath right before uh, before VBS. Then we talked with Sweet Aaliyah, who started following Jesus, and we got to baptize her mom, Alyssa, um, who was sprinkled as a child and wanted to be immersed as a follower of Jesus. We talked with Logan Hooker at VBS, Patrick talked with him, and he said, "Hey, he's ready to go." So we baptized him on Baptism Sunday. We also baptized Lane and Lynn Dobbs, and then Alex Gravett and Caitlin Tribble and her uncle Matt. we baptized Elsie Joe, my daughter. thought I, I didn't make it through that day. And then I baptized Knox McLaughlin, whose smile the day he was baptized was so infectious. And then Kenny got to baptize a couple of new sisters through adoption Lauren Burroughs and Gabby Robinson on different days. But 18 people, y'all, took the all important step to be baptized and align themselves with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 18. And I hope that all of us took some steps in 2021. There would be way too many. We're not going to pass a mic. We're not going to do that. There'd be no way to speak about all those. But I think we can be confident that God's been at work. Church, in a lot of ways, 2021 was a dumpster fire of a year. There's so many bad memories that I honestly hope to soon forget. But be reminded, even in the midst of that, God is always at work around our difficulties, and even through our difficulties. Y'all, if God can use the boneheaded act of selling your brother into slavery to rescue his people decades later, I think he can make something out of your life. I think we can trust God with whatever bad we perceive the last year or two. We can know that God is working even when we don't see it. Patrick and the worship team are going to come up now They're going to lead us in one more song, which, again, is a good one. This is our time to reflect on the message and to respond to what God is or has spoken to you. You may want to spend this time just reflecting on 2021 and thanking God for the good things that did happen. You may want to take this time to recognize that God was with you, even in the difficulties, even when it didn't feel like it. You can do that right where you are through prayer. You can come to this altar and voice a prayer to the Lord. You may want to just ask ask the hard questions. How has God grown me this year? Glorify God for even the difficulties because we know he's been at work. Some of you, hopefully, as I shared about serving, some of you are like, hey, I need to start doing that. Let us know. The easiest way is to take the car from the seat in front of you. Put your name on it, your phone number, and mark the thing on the back that says start serving at East. We'll do our best to follow up with you and try to figure out a way that you can begin to serve here. Maybe as I shared with those about those who've been baptized, hopefully, if you've never trusted in Christ, that God stirred in your heart to begin to wrestle with it, to turn from your sin and to trust fully in the name of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection for you as he took your sins on the cross. We would love to talk with you. In fact, I'm going to stand down here awkwardly during the first part of the song just so that you can come talk to me. If you need to be saved today, don't leave this place. Just come tell me. And we'll we'll slide aside and we'll talk about how you can trust in Him. We'll have decision counselors by the back door as well. If you'd like to go talk to them. Sometimes it's easier to go back than it is to come up in front of everybody. Whatever you need to do. Or maybe you just am hey, following Jesus, but I've just never been baptized. We'd love to talk to you about that too. These waters, there, it's already full. Amen. I'm going to say a word of prayer. And, uh, and I, after I pray, we're all going to stand and we'll sing or pray or respond however you need to. This is your time, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that, uh, that you continue to work. And, God, as I look at my life, God, as a, there are things that happen um, in my life just as a, an American. God, there are things that happen in my life as a dad or as a husband or even as a pastor, God, that just weren't good. God, in the midst of it, God, i I I I'll not lie and say that sometimes I felt alone. I felt like I was I was I felt like sometimes you maybe it turned your eyes from me. But God, just as Joseph saw, and I see your word, God, you never left me. And God, for anybody here who's in that same boat. God, I pray that today they'd be reminded that you are present in their difficulties. And God, not only that, you want to work for their good through those difficulties. God, maybe not today. God, maybe we can't see the fruit of that today. God, it took decades to get Joseph to where he was, second in command in Egypt. God, help us be patient as we wait to see you working for our good and God also let us recognize that God you're seeing from such a higher perspective than we are and God you're working things that God we may not even know before we die God what your plans were but God I know that you are working God help us to acknowledge that and let us be able to look back at 2021, and God, not see negative, but to see you at work. Father, we thank you for this time. Lead us to respond in the ways that we should. In Jesus' name, amen. As y'all stand, respond however God leads you to.